welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Wherever you find American troops today, you find the men of the Transportation Corps. Enough and on time. That's the story we tell you today. The story of the Army Quartermaster Corps. These youthful servicemen are members of the Army's Military Police Corps. One of the most important forces behind the line. The Army Ordnance Corps. Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Once again, I am Staff Sergeant Adam Ross, Public Affairs NCOIC for 19th Expeditionary Sustainment Command. And today is a special podcast because we are on the road today. We are not coming to you from Camp Henry. We are in Camp Humphreys, Republic of Korea. And today we are joined by the 94th Military Police Battalion Command Team of Lieutenant Colonel Scott Chalkley and Command Sergeant Major Cedric Henson. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks very much for uh, for coming up here and, and doing this up for us uh, up here. Yeah, it was a nice nice little road trip coming up. Uh, good to see Humphreys. Um, so we're gonna, we usually start our episodes just kind of getting to know our guests. So, sir, we'll start start with you. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what made you decide to join the Army, get into the MP Corps? Uh, so I've been in the Army for about 19 years, and uh, I was inspired by my dad, who was a military police officer, and he served for 29 years. Um, so growing up, getting to, you know, watch, watch him and, you know, we traveled throughout the, the world throughout his career, uh, really inspired me. Uh, and so I wanted to kind of continue that legacy, follow on, continue to serve. Uh, and so that's really kind of my inspiration for why I wanted to serve. So did your dad wear the old, the helmet? Was it, is it so he, he is old enough to where he would have started wearing, uh, the old MP helmet, you know, the, the stripe. So it would have been. Uh, a long time ago, I'm sure he probably doesn't uh, want to talk about that, but he's, mm. but, uh, he's actually started as an armor officer uh, for four years. He started out as a tanker, and then he transitioned to be an MP. Okay. Uh, and where, where did you commission through, sir? Uh, at ROTC through Virginia Military Institute, uh, okay. a small school in uh, Lexington, Virginia. I've heard of it. Yeah. I've never been down there before. But Sergeant Major, how about you? What, what brought you to the Army? A similar story. Um, uh, the majority of my uh, family... Uh, did have ties to the military, different branches, uh, uncles, grandfather, uh, brother, uh, cousins, all, all, all took part and joined. Uh, so I was always around it, um, and it just felt like, you know, it was something that definitely fit, uh, and, and uh, I, I joined up. Great. Sounds good. And uh, so how long have both of you been in Korea now? Uh, I've only been here uh, since last summer, last June, so about nine or ten months. In April, it'll be two years for me. Really? Okay. Yeah, I remember. So, yeah, Sar- Sergeant Major and I were both at a 42nd MP Brigade together. I, I remember going to your, your going away ceremony Hello. there, Sergeant Major. Yeah. Good times. And hearing that sound, that means it's time for a, we're going to change gears here. We're going to go into our 50-meter target questions. So these are going to be rapid-fire questions. Hope to get some quick answers from you. And uh, Sergeant Major, we're going to stay with you right okay. here. First question, if you could have immense musical talent with one instrument, what would it be? Absolutely the piano. Absolutely. Okay, okay sir, how about you? Man, I'm going to say the banjo. I'm going to go in a different direction. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because why not? <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, uh, sir, staying with you, what is your most memorable re-enlistment, re- recommissioning ceremony? Uh, I, w- I would say just recently, uh, we did one in Daegu. Uh, I think, I can't remember the name of the mountain, but it was... Oh, uh, Opsan? Opsan, yeah, exactly. Opsan. Uh, you know, the platoon had done a hike all the way up to, to the top, uh, and it was for a promotion. Uh, just right there, overlooking the beauty of Daegu. Uh, it really was incredible. So I'm really glad they allowed us to come down for that. Oh, yeah, I love Opsan. Yeah, it looks over everything there. Oh, yeah. So our Major, how about you? I think it was a re-enlistment ceremony that was most interesting. Off in Cuba, uh, while stationed there, we had a soldier uh, go out in in inner tubes. (laughs) Myself and uh, Commander... Uh, re-enlisted a soldier out there so that was pretty interesting i'm always surprised at the the guantanamo bay stories i hear from from 31 <laughs> echoes yeah see not many soldiers get to go there but it sounds like an interesting place okay so, uh staying with you sir major if if you could create a new tab or badge in the army what would it be tab or badge wow um stumped Okay. Well, we'll stay with you, sir. Do you have one? Can you think of one? Well, I, I got to throw something out for the MPs. Maybe just a you know a, a formal badge that can be uh, worn and displayed that's authorized. Okay. Yeah, after a certain certification period, I think that. Would I can see that. All right, um, sir. Uh, t- Korea is kind of known for its traffic. What is what is the worst traffic you've encountered in your career? What location at the worst? Oh, Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Hands down. No, no, no close. I even did training with industry uh, in New Jersey outside of New York City uh, and still Washington, D.C. traffic, I still think is, is the worst. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Sorry, Major, you think of one? The one that comes to my mind is the one, the traffic that never moved. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it was it was 9-11 in Hawaii and uh, traffic just came to a stop and folks would end up walking to get to where they needed to go. So Wow. Okay, last question. Um, staying with you, Sergeant Major. Okay, even though the AP the APFT is no longer the test of record in the Army, but thinking back to all the PT tests you've taken, what was the worst conditions you endured for a PT test, like weather? Joint Base Lewis McCord. <laughs> uh, we, we ended up, we started out, uh, it was the normal Washington rain, uh, drizzle, turned ice, turned ice coming in sideways and by the end of the run everybody just 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 looked looked exhausted just from from the precipitation but at the same time everybody was just as motivated so pretty memorable and that was at the was it railroad avenue out Absolutely. there but railroad mm-hmm. avenue oh i know that well mm-hmm. okay sir how about you uh i'd say probably baghdad 2004 running around uh, fob falcon uh in the summer <laughs> Yeah, I, I'd say I, my deployed one of my deployment PT tests on Kandahar is probably one of one, my worst one. Just the lovely dust and dirt kicking up and fun heat. All right, and with that, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to step away for a little bit, but we're going to come back and talk more about what the 94th MP Battalion does right here in the Every Soldier Counts podcast. This is First Lieutenant James Rainey with the 19th ESC Surgeon Cell. Remember to continue following the core tenets. Protect yourself by staying ready and resilient. Have a proper work and life balance. Protect your bubble by minding the meter and mask at the ready. Avoid large groups and crowds. Protect others. Feeling sickly? Leave quickly. Call the USFK COVID hotline if you feel any symptoms. 
This number is 050-3337-2556. And we're back here on the Every Soldier Counts podcast. We are joined today again by the command team of 94th MP Battalion, Colonel Chalkley and Sergeant Major Henson. And so we're... We, we talk a little a lot about um, with 19th ESC how we we serve the whole peninsula we have we have units everywhere but with 94th MP you guys really it does really seem like you are everywhere what can you, sir can you break down the scope of your mission here with 94th MP oh I'd love to so uh, first I want to just give a plug to, to our battalion just the uniqueness of being here in Korea so like you said our, our battalion really is everywhere here on the, the peninsula we're, we're the only military police battalion that's on the peninsula uh, and we're you know, we go all the way from Area One down to Area Four. We have military police professionals uh, that are out there every single day, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have military police uh, men and women that are out there uh, protecting the force, um, and that's a very important piece and probably the biggest piece of what we do um, here in the 94th. Uh, and so, with that, uh, our biggest battalion mission set is. is provide those trained professionals uh, that go out and work for the, the garrison commanders to enforce uh, the laws uh, here on the peninsula, uh, providing that trained professional response force capability uh, to any situation that that's needed. Uh, and that's, that's really our biggest piece of what we do. And, and, and Sergeant Major, what 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 are some of the challenges that come with that, especially with having you know leaders so so far away, um, you know, from the flagpole right here? And, and really, th- that is the challenge. Uh, you know, being able to to uh, have that that mission command of those organizations, uh, knowing that each garrison has its own uniqueness, uh, and then being able to service uh, those those different garrisons. Um, while at the same time, you know, ensuring that uh, those natural things uh, that we as leaders are uh, consistently uh, engaged and challenged with, you know, in terms of quality of life for our soldiers, uh, and, and then understanding all of those from area to area, uh, that that is a, a challenge, but one that um, has to be tackled. And so, what, um, sir? Can you think of any? What are some other challenges you face as a battalion here? Uh, just. This is the contrast of, you know, kind of what Sergeant Major was talking about. You know, you know, we don't, for our unit, we can't, you know, Monday morning see the entire battalion formation and put out guidance for our end-of-week brief. That's just not something we can do. We've got uh, people that are on shift, days, swings, mids, whatever their, their schedule is going to be, people that are in the correctional facility providing care and custody, um, and then we're split between all the areas. So being able to build leadership at the right echelon um, that can professionally lead and um, make things happen uh, is a challenge. Uh, but we've got some of the greatest NCOs I've ever seen that are able to get after it every day uh, and great leaders and great soldiers uh, that just continue to impress. And so how do your, your three priorities fit into that, sir? Uh, so really, how do you set, how do you set the conditions for that to happen? Um, and, and that's, that's a challenge in of itself. So, you know, building trust in the organization, building trust uh, and building that, that climate of dignity and respect where those things can, can foster, uh, that, that's got to happen first. Um, and so, um, 
you know, our lines of effort for our battalion, um, by no coincidence, line of effort number one, of course, is the most important for us. That's integrating a strong team. Uh, and that starts even before soldiers arrive here in Korea. It starts with a strong sponsorship program um, so that people know what to expect when they, when they arrive. And then it goes through that quarantine period that everybody's going through, maintaining that, uh, uh, that contact. Uh, and then once folks are out of quarantine, what's the, what's, what does that in-processing look like? And then how we get, get straight into training. And for most of our formations, it's some kind of law enforcement certification, or we call the gatekeeper for the folks that are going to go into the correctional facility and work. And so that those standards, uh, all that happens right when they get here uh, so that we can kind of inculcate what our values of the organization are. Uh, and so that, that's, that's really one of the, the biggest things that we have to get right is integrating that strong team and then continue, continue to build that team. So you mentioned we mentioned the the law enforcement and the detention mission, but then you also have the um, you have the military working dogs. What what are some of the other missions um, that you you support on the peninsula? Oh yeah, so most people would would think okay when they see MPs, they think MPs in patrol vehicles, out you know conducting traffic stops and those kind of things, because that's what that's what we see. But we also have a lot of other important support things. You mentioned the military working dogs. Uh, you know, both explosive and drug dog detection capability that we provide uh, throughout the peninsula uh, to, to protect the force. But we also have support, uh, military police, we also escort. Um, and that's a, that's a big piece. We call that uh, movement support to mobility uh, to where we can help secure movements that happen throughout the theater. Uh, 19th DSC with the Korean Rotational Force that happens, we, uh, we work to help with some of the security aspects of that. And the interoperability with the Korean uh, police and the ROC Army. Uh, the detention capability. So we have the correctional facility, but military police were also involved in detention operations too, if needed. How can we uh, manage that for the peninsula as well. That's a very important capability that we can bring uh, bring to the Army. And Sergeant Major, I know your, your background is in detentions. Um, is. Before I got to uh, work with you at 42nd MP, I knew nothing about that side of the Army. What, what can you tell me about being a, the challenges of being a 31 Echo in that, that mission? Well, I, you know, it's a lot of similarities uh, when you look at the military police soldier uh, in general. Um, and what we end up doing is it's just kind of branching off into di uh, two different distinct disciplines. Uh, but typically, uh, you know, there's uh, the law enforcement certification that, that occurs. Um, and, you know, for the 31 Echo, it's, it's focused uh, mainly inside of uh, making sure that, you know, custody and control is maintained inside of uh, uh, correctional facilities uh, throughout the Department of Defense. Uh, and, and then from there, uh, you know, some, some of those same things uh, that, that are trained by all military police soldiers, you know, less than lethal um, uh, capabilities, um, personal protection techniques, uh, evidence collection, you know. So, so all of those things across the board are, are, are typically the same. Uh, you know, we, we really branch out, you know, and, and start thinking where in one discipline you're looking inside, you know, in, into a facility and, and trying to understand the atmospherics of that population uh, while, you know, uh, the, our, our brothers and sisters that were 31 Bravos are, are looking at the populations in our, our communities uh, and trying to understand those atmospherics as well. Uh, all uh, in in trying to maintain order, you know. So uh, a lot of similarities, uh, 
the grind of you know shift work is the same across uh and, and uh it, it takes it takes a special soldier it's a lot of responsibility for a 18 year old straight out of high school that that we invest and give uh to to our soldiers uh, but they do it remarkably and you mentioned young soldiers, Sergeant Major. Uh, let's talk about Katusas. Um, I know they're a big part of your mission, and they're often, you know, young themselves when they come into our formation. How do you integrate Katusas into those missions? Yeah, so so we could not execute our mission uh, without the Katusas in our formation. Uh, you know, that I could I could sit and talk about the Katusas. Uh, contribution to the 94th MP Battalion uh, all day long. But, you know, really at the end of the day, you know, they, they serve a purpose uh, for us that many don't understand. You know, we talked earlier about the uniqueness of uh, the 94th MP Battalion and the law enforcement commitment required by our battalion uh, is bigger than most battalions. Um, if, if I could just kind of break it down in layman's terms, typically stateside you would have a law enforcement detachment that would control uh, the provost marshal's offices to where all the sections are, uh, your military police investigators, your traffic uh, personnel, personnel, uh, traffic investigators. Uh, you'll, you'll have them all in the station. You think about police work and you, you think about a movie and you, you think about the police station, all of those folks that work inside of there. Uh, and then you think about those that are patrolling the streets. Uh, well, typically what, what battalions do, there's a law enforcement detachment that runs the police station. And then most battalions have the mission of just providing patrols. Well, here in the 94th uh, MP battalion, we're asked to do both. So it creates such a large law enforcement commitment. First of all, it just would be impossible not to be able to do it with our Katusas based off of the manning requirements. Uh, but, you know, that understanding, that cultural understanding that they bring to us um, and, and to our formation and help us become ambassadors uh, while we're here operating on the Korean Peninsula, uh, it's just huge. You know, the, their appreciation when you think about a country um, and the trust that they have given us as, as an army uh, to say, here are our, our, our sons and daughters uh, that can be nested with you and, and you utilize them uh, as you see fit is, is just amazing. And, and they amaze me with their performance every day. And sir, oh, go ahead, sir. No, I was going to say, absolutely. And, and one of the things that just the most visible is, you know, anytime you see a military police vehicle out in the community, there's a Katusa in there. Uh, it is a military police officer in, in one of our Katusa. Uh, and they both, you know, from, from the day when they join our organization, they'll go through the same law enforcement certification with our MPs. There, there's no difference. Um, they'll, they'll go to that training. They'll be in, uh, they live in the barracks. Uh, they can be roommates with the soldiers. Um, they are part of that MP team. Like, absolutely. It's, it is, they're all together. And, and one of the fascinating things that just I've seen with that is, uh, you know, where else would you see that? Uh, I've been stationed in, in Europe for a long time, but there's no Pulitzer that rides along inside the police car with, with our military police. The, the, the way that we're synchronized here in Korea is, is uh, I would argue, you know, unique to the world um, with, with how we conduct the law enforcement. It really is incredible. And, sir, you mentioned before what you're talking about reception and integration, and that's so critical here in Korea where a lot of the soldiers are doing one-year assignments. So how do you create... A, bit, a strong team with that in mind, knowing a lot of them, you know, just aren't here for that long versus stateside. 
Oh, that's absolutely a challenge. But we like to take that as a challenge and just say that, hey, we get, we get to have a lot of reps at doing reception in the gracing. So we get a lot of opportunities to, to continue to refine it. Um, and so we take that same approach, uh, like we talked about, you know, that, that aggressive uh, sponsorship to where people are identified before they even come on pin to know what to expect. Um, that we utilize that quarantine time because why not? They're there. Uh, so let's continue to engage, you know, providing our, you know, the, the care packages and then, you know, also information about the battalion um, while they're in quarantine. Uh, get as much of the in-processing administrative stuff done so that when they come out, they can, you know, meet their team leader. They can integrate into the unit. Uh, they can go meet all the POCs that they're going to need to do for the, for the in-processing. And then they can get into their respective law enforcement certification uh, and get trained on what the standards are here in Korea. Um, we, you know, with that high rotation, we get, we get to do that a lot. So well, I'd like to think that we were able to refine that system uh, as we get continued reps at it. And Sergeant Major, a lot of times those soldiers are, is their first duty assignment. And so what, what do you tell your, your leaders, you know, um, how, how best to integrate and develop uh, new soldiers? Yeah, so, so there is a lot of focused training on, on our, with our leaders. Um, you know, for instance, right now we have a, a junior leaders academy on and, and we talk, we, we, we talk and teach uh, on the importance um, of the reception and in integration phase uh, for our soldiers uh, based off of that short tour. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've, I've saw um, is, is that we have an important role in rewriting the narrative of Korea. Uh, we, we, a lot of times I've, 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 one of my common questions for soldiers that are just arrived is, what did you hear about Korea before you, you, you showed up? Uh, and, and a lot of times uh, they will tell a tale uh, that is not conducive to what's happening here. Um, and, and so when you're talking about a, a private that's showing up from basic training with that narrative, you know, you have to ask yourself, now, where is, where is that coming from? Right. Uh, not many, many places that uh, that could be coming from. So how do we rewrite that narrative? How do we get soldiers excited prior to even stepping off of the plane uh, that they're coming to a place uh, that, that they're going to be embraced, uh, cared for uh, and want to be uh, to, to be empowered? So uh, we 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 do strong in our sponsorship uh, all the way to sending out packets to ba basic trainings now, um, our basic training, our AITs uh, to kind of write what uh, uh, we want that narrative to look like and then get them here uh, and, and really focus in on on that reception and integration piece. Uh, you know, we'll forever be in a, a formation enrichment phase of team building. Uh, I believe it, it's hard sometimes to get to that sustainment phase uh, of team building because of the turnaround. Uh, so we really have to make our money on on those processes in integrating our soldiers and inculcating them to the units. And so with those care packages and packets you mentioned, you send a basic training. So what, what would you find in those? The, the first thing you'll see is our battalion photo. And uh, it was an opportunity we had uh, while training up in Riflick uh, to where it's an aerial photo of our soldiers in the shape of a 9-4. Uh, uh, united and, and representing our organization well. Uh, so that's the first thing that they'll see. Uh, but then inside of the packet, what we did was uh, we provided them information. 
what Korea looked like. You know, uh, uh, this is what's going to happen when you get off the plane. Uh, these are some some websites uh, if you need further information. If you're bringing family, so on and so forth. A lot of informational things, but but to help rewrite that narrative, we also throughout the sponsorship packet added those photos of our soldiers in action at work on a day-to-day basis. So regardless of what was being said, what soldiers were now visualizing is the type of what my training days will look like and things of that nature. Uh, so, so that, you know, we hope it will have huge gains for us. And you think that's had a positive effect I do. so far? I do believe it has. Interesting. And let's, um, let's talk about, Dogs. Everybody likes dogs, sir. <laughs> we, we when we when I took pictures of, of dog military working dogs, often those are the most engaged pictures um, we, we we share on online. Um, so people, I think you mentioned the uh, the bomb sniffing dogs before. I think that's maybe the common perception of military working dogs. What what all goes into their mission here on the peninsula? Uh, absolutely, Every, everybody loves loves dog, and it is an uh, you know, it's an incredible capability, um, one that just can't be replicated, uh, you know, really to the, to the extent that we can get with a dog. Uh, so, uh, so like you mentioned, for the explosive detecting dogs, so all of our dogs are, are patrol dogs, and they also have a specialty of what they can uh, sniff. And so, uh, we have patrol explosive dogs, and we have patrol uh, narcotics dogs, the drug dogs. And so, our explosive dogs are, are great. Um, you know, they help augment the, each of the garrisons with that capability for um, the installation access control points uh, for, to check help for the random searches that things coming in and off the installation, um, as well as, you know, if there's a distinguished visitor that's going to come, they can do sweeps of certain areas to make sure uh, that it's, it's free of explosives. In uh, the other capability is, of course, the, the drug dogs, uh, which great for um, going on patrols, but uh, I'd like to plug just for you know all the commanders that are out there. If you want to do uh, health and welfare uh, inspections or integrate into your health and welfare inspections, you can absolutely uh, request uh, the narcotic detecting dogs uh, as part of that uh, health and welfare. Uh, it's a great capability. Uh, you can be coordinated through our, through our battalion um, and have that dog team go through with your health and welfare inspection. It's one, it's a great capability just to have to detect anything. It's also a good deterrent uh, for folks to see and know that, 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 you know, conditions are taken seriously uh, and that the the drugs are just not tolerated. And Sergeant Major, what, what feedback have you gotten from other uh, leaders around the peninsula to the, using the canines in that, that mission, the health and welfare inspection? You know, I, I agree with the, the battalion commander on the plug. Hey, we, we, want, we want commanders to, to continue to utilize that. Uh, those that do always feel like it, it brings uh, another uh, uh, capability to them. Uh, to be able to to have good order and discipline within their formation, so uh, definitely uh, uh, positive feedback for for those dog teams. And when I've worked with the the military working dog teams before, I'm always surprised that like the the certification process and the the constant training, like it, you really need chemistry basically between the handler and the dog. Absolutely, uh, and so really here is the fastest I've I've ever seen, uh, you know, based on like the turn turnover, like we were talking about before. So, so right now for our uh, our working dog handlers, they come they come over on the one year rotation just like everybody else, uh, and so 
and just by the the nature of how you know the dogs don't move with the handlers so the, the dogs are, are still here and so they have to get familiarized with the dog um, and go through the train up uh, validation certification and before they're a certified team to be able to go out and conduct that mission uh, and then you know like just a counterpart in Europe and in uh, CONUS you know, that could be a 120 to 180 day process uh, so here uh, we really work to try to get 90 days or less um, and and we've tried to figure out exactly how we can do, you know, start familiarization as early as possible uh, to make sure, you know, getting that in, in processing streamlined so we're not missing opportunities, uh, you know, for, for soldiers to not get familiarized with that dog, uh, to maximize the limited amount of time that we have in that one-year rotation. And then just recently, we, we uh, from 19th DSC, uh, assistance from, uh, from the CG, we were able to get um, AIP, introduces a critical MOS uh, for military working dogs. Uh, so great, great capability. And so uh, kind of closing things out here, uh, we talking about rewriting the narrative of Korea. You both have pretty good experience in Korea now, been here for a while. Uh, could each, each of you give, what's been like one of your memorable, most memorable experiences here on the peninsula since you've been here? You've been here longer, Sarmage. You go ahead. Most memorable experience. Um, I think it was, uh, for, for me, I watched how the battalion uh, pulled together during the COVID crisis. Uh, so uh, when we began to, to, to get word of what was happening uh, with COVID, it, it really allowed our military police uh, soldiers at every echelon uh, to say, you know, hey, game on, right? Um, the, the garrisons uh, came a-calling. Uh, commanders came a calling, and and when in need was never more prevalent than you know than the, you know at that point you know we we were the tip of the spear uh, throughout that that process, uh, and you know after it was all said and done, being able to capture those lessons learned and pushing them out uh, to the rest of the army, uh, extremely proud of of the organization during that 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 time of crisis. Sir, how about you? It doesn't even need to be mission related. Like uh, a place you visited, uh, just experiencing the culture here. Uh, well, just just recently. I mean, so one completely everything Sergeant Major said. It really is incredible. Just despite being geographically dis- dispersed, uh, the complexities of working in every garrison and, and those challenges uh, and opportunities. Uh, and then on top of that, the COVID environment and being able to get after all the additional training. So that, that in and of itself is truly uh, incredible. Uh, but uh, recently, Sergeant Major and I had the opportunity to uh, go to the signal school, the Rock Army Signal School. Um, and, you know, we got to see the Rock Army uh, basic training for their, for their new signal school and their, their version of the Bullock for their officers, too all done there it was an interoperability exchange of you know uh communication so very important for us uh as mps you know from security being able to talk to rock army um for the the you know how we can coordinate you know potential base defense or security escorts um and so being able to figure out some of the you know the interoperability of the communications that's where we could talk on secure networks and things like that uh, really was eye-opening, uh, you know, just the level of interoperability that we're able to achieve here in Korea uh, with how well-nested we are. Uh, that's going to stay with me. Um, and you know, we're going to continue to refine that and get better. But to, 
it really was you know being able to see and walk the grounds uh, there and seeing their capabilities uh, really was impressive. And I saw the pictures from that visit, and I was surprised to see it looked like the Rock Army Signal Branch uses orange, just like U.S. Army Signal Absolutely. Branch. Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> I don't know if that's a coincidence or what. <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. I uh, just want to remind everyone that uh, if you want to keep um, abreast of the 94th MP mission, the different companies are very active on Facebook, 94th MP Battalion Facebook page, and all your subordinate companies have their pages. Um, I just want to thank you for, for joining us again today and uh, have yourself uh, a great weekend when in need. Oh, when in need. When in need. All right. <laughs>